you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, Merry Christmas. There it is. Merry Christmas. You came to church on the right Sunday. In fact, we are starting a brand new series called At the Movies, or Christmas at the Movies. This is one of my favorite series that we do all year long because we're going to take Christmas movies every Sunday through December, and we're going to take a, a portion of the movie and then figure out how we can apply some of what is happening in the film and take the scripture and really take that and apply that, God's word and the movie, to our life and see what we can extrapolate or pull from this. And it's a lot of fun. And so you may have come in today and it's your first time with us. Uh, and you're like, why are all these people wearing such amazing clothing? It is ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. And so if you didn't don your ugly Christmas sweater, um, man, I hope you don't. I hope you don't fit in, um, and if you did, I'm proud of you. You can go home and get your sweater and come back to our second service if you'd like, but we're going to be watching a film today. It's one of my favorite films called The Santa Claus. Anybody like The Santa Claus with Tim Allen? I'm not asking you to believe in Santa Claus. Don't send me an email. I don't want to get that one, but uh, I, I, uh, I'm excited about this, and let me tell you why. I believe that Christmas is the quintessential Christian holiday. It is the quintessential, listen, it isn't one of those traditions that we're excited about. It literally is the biggest deal because Christmas represents when God, the creator, reached down into the muck and miner of humanity and grabbed us by the hand and said, hey, I still have a plan for you. It's when God sent Jesus to this earth to take on human form and then experience what it's like to be a human and then pay the ultimate sacrifice. Now, if you're with us for the first time or you're not sure what you believe, I just want to tell you, you have permission to belong before you believe. But this holiday represents something so important to us. We celebrate the fact that God reached down into our lives to do something miraculous and provide a way to salvation. That's why we sing a song that we just did. And when I sing that song, that, that last one we did, I sing it so loud, I'm louder than the speakers. I'm afraid I'm gonna throw these guys off key. Man, I'm literally, you split the sea so I could walk. And I'm yelling, my, chest, my sternum hurts. Right through it. I got a little bit of Cindy Lauper going on when I sing that song. And some of y'all don't even know who that is, and that's okay. Man, I love that song. Because for my life, that's a reality. I grew up in church my whole life and knew every Bible story you could possibly know. I had basically a Bible college education before I graduated high school because I was homeschooled and my parents raised me on the scripture. So I knew the process of Christianity, but I didn't know God. So I have to believe that Christmas is about more than just God reaching into the muck and mire of humanity and saying, here is salvation. I have to believe that this salvation 
is, is tied to something, and I believe it's a deeper sense of calling. You see, as a, a young man, I was interning at a church, the church I grew up in, where everybody knew me. It was a large church in Dallas, and as I said before, I knew who God was, but I didn't know Him right here. I knew how to put on an act like I put on this ugly Christmas sweater today. The appearances of faith. And then I just hid all the dark components of my life. Until eventually all of my poor decisions led to me getting involved with a married woman. Before I was married. But that doesn't justify it anymore. And that relationship led to the divorce of that family and really to the darkest season of my life. So when I sing the song, You Split the Sea, so I can walk right through it, it's because I've experienced the darkness of the sea of shame and regret. So when I celebrate Christmas, for me it's, it's really now so much more than it was when I was a child or even a teenager because God really did reach down into the darkness of humanity for me so that I could experience salvation, but I don't believe it ends there. I believe that there's so much more to life than just a decision to say yes to Jesus. And I believe it's this deeper sense of calling. Paul was writing to the New Testament church in Ephesians, and he writes something like, like this to say, hey, open your eyes and see, because we get to choose what we do with this life. He never forced his grace upon us. It's a gift, and the calling which follows is a choice. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.18, he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of the heart meaning that place where you know at a deeper sense the things that you know, where faith is mustered. The eyes of your heart be enlightened. Another translation says that the light would flood in. How does light flood into your eyes except for to open them? The writer is insinuating this is a choice. We choose what we do with the eyes of our heart. Maybe enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Hey, Christian, this was written to you. If you're here and you're not sure what your faith is, you get a hall pass. But if you're here and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, this was Paul writing to you and to me, saying, can you open the eyes of your heart to see that there is a hope to which I have called you? But it's a choice. It's a choice. So in our film today, we find a businessman so driven in his career who is successful at what he does but not in who he is. We find a businessman who has made it as far as he can who is obviously a father and at one point was a husband but has lost what really is important to him, his family. I just wonder how many of us today might be missing the mark when it comes to what really matters. Chasing what we do and not pursuing who God has called us 
to become. So here we find Scott Calvin trying to convince his son Charlie that there is no Santa Claus. On Christmas Eve night, he's already torched the turkey, my favorite scene in this movie. He reads the story that so many of us read to our children, and as the night progresses, there arose such a clatter. And you'll uh, do me a favor, turn your attention to the screen and just watch this clip. Hey, you! What's that? Stay where you are. Charlie, would you listen to me? Stay up there. He's Santa. You killed him. Did not. And he's not Santa. Well, he was. He's got some ID on him, I bet. Fella, if you can hear me, I'm just looking for identification. Once you figure out who you are, I'll, I'll give you a lift back to the mall. If something should happen to me, put on my suit, the reindeer will know what to do. Yeah, right. Stop it, Charlie. We're not going anywhere. Now, hop out of it. I don't want to go. Listen, Charlie, I'm not kidding. Let's go! Down the chimney, into a strange house, in my underwear. No. Gotta put the suit on first. You know what we're gonna do is we're gonna get out of here because this whole thing is stupid. Freezing my nubs off out here. You want me to get the Santa costume? Which is great. Santa costume. You never know where it's been. Ooh. Thousand malls. Well, I hope you're happy, Comet. Hope you're happy. But most of all, I hope the guy that lives here is a tailor. Nice coat. Well, how do I look? Nice? You've got sash. You're right. This completes the ensemble. All right. 
Now I've got the suit on. How am I supposed to know what to leave? Maybe there's a list. A list? How silly of me. Of course there's a list. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Look! You're flying! It's okay, I'm used to it. I lived through the 60s. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calvin. How can your clothes are so baggy? Because Santa is watching his saturated fats. How come you don't have a beard? Because I shaved. Do you want this doll or not? Go back to sleep. You're supposed to drink the milk. Look, I am lactose intolerant. And I am just about this close to taking all those presents back to the chimney with me. Supposed to drink that milk. Shut your eyes. Yo! Oh! How do you get him to a fireplace? I don't know. One just kind of appeared. Awesome. <laughs> Not bad for church, right? Watching some of the Santa Claus. You know, um, we find Scott Calvin now, and so what's happening is he's beginning to discover he has a greater sense of purpose, right? Uh, he finds out the, the Santa Claus is there, that he's gone, he's got to take the coat and get up on the sleigh. The sleigh takes off, and now he's having to do something that is uncomfortable. And, and that's what I find seems to be our biggest challenge in life, is that usually the greater sense of calling that God places on the inside of us, it usually isn't comfortable in the beginning. In fact, usually it kind of pushes us and tests the limits, and it kind of, it kind of causes us to grow a little bit in what it is that we want to do or where God has called us, because that greater sense of calling usually is stretching. Usually it's uncomfortable, and I believe that that is why so many people will say yes to Jesus and leave it there and not pursue calling because calling often is uncomfortable. You make mistakes in the beginning of pursuing your calling because you're just kind of getting your feet wet and you're not really sure what to do, just like the most horrific Santa who terrified that little girl and threatened her and then, you know, lactose intolerant, the whole thing. I believe that that challenge is what keeps so many of us or will kind of dabble in calling, just a little bit right there little bit that's uncomfortable let's go back to normal okay but the bible talks very clearly in matthew 7 14 jesus is saying hey this is this isn't easy in fact jesus said enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and the path that leads to destruction it's easy to pursue our own desires it's challenging when we say yes to the fullness of who god is that's why paul wrote in the New Testament, take up your cross. Hey guys, nobody loves the cross. You might have a cluster of them hanging on a wall very artistically in your home. But the cross meant death. 
And I believe for some of us, that's the biggest challenge for us. And I think God wants us right there in that place where we're uncomfortable and we're not really sure what to do. Have you ever tried to teach someone who thought they already knew how to do everything? Anyone? If your hand is not up, you might be that person. I'll never forget when we moved from Dallas to Arizona, we left a large church. My wife and I were youth pastors in a large youth ministry and we got to a church plant in Arizona that was smaller than our youth ministry was. So we thought we had all the answers for this cute little church in Arizona. I'm so embarrassed to even say those words and I hope that my pastor doesn't listen to this podcast. And after a year of trying to do things in Arizona, just like we had done in Dallas, I just couldn't figure out how to make things work. And I went into my pastor and I said, I don't know what to do. Everything I'm trying is failing. And he said, man, I've been waiting for this moment. Sit down, let's talk. And it was when I was at this place of not being sure what to do that I was actually able to learn and accomplish the fullness of what God had for me. But until I got to the place where I realized I needed help I created a world of trouble have you ever been there before and that's the thing about our calling I think God wants us to be right there just not really sure not really sure what to do how to I just know it's right it's there but I'm not really in fact I feel like I'm running around with like a chicken with its head cut off and God's like it's okay I got you I got you and that's what's going on with Scott Calvin so the night progresses he does his job of getting all the toys uh, to the right spots, and he ends up in the North Pole, and he's in a conversation, still in denial, over this new, greater sense of calling. Let's watch this clip. Look, I am not Santa Claus. Ah. Did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the card. Then you're the new Santa. And putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. What contract? The card in the Santa suit. You said you read it, right? So when you put on the suit, he fell subject to the Santa Claus. Here. The Santa Claus? Oh, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? No, no, no. Not Santa Claus the person. Santa Claus the clause. What? Look, you're a businessman, right? Yeah. Okay. A clause as in the last line of a contract. You got the card? Okay, look. The Santa Claus. And putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. It's ridiculous. I never put on a suit as a Try to understand this. Let me explain something to you, okay? Toys have to be delivered. I'm not going to do it. It's not my job. I'm just an elf. It's Santa's job, but Santa fell off the roof. Your roof. You read the card. You put on the suit that clearly falls under the Santa Claus. And now you're Santa, okay? Try to understand me, he says. You, how many times have you been told you are Santa Claus? Anyone in here? Right? Oh, two of you have. Good. That's great. You're a liar. That's weird. Can we get the prayer teams to come up here? That'd be awesome. I love this. I love that line where he says... The clause waives the right to any previous identity. This clause, once you put on the jacket, it waives your rights to any previous identity. For a moment, can I talk to some of you in this room who say, I have surrendered or given my life to Jesus. 
If I may talk to you for a moment, again, if you're here and you're not really sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe, but for those of you in the room who say, I have given my life to Jesus, that decision waves any right to any previous identity, my friends. And let me just tell you, this is good news. This is really good news. Just as I shared before, my life was messed up, but Jesus reached into the muck and the mire for me, and I now have a new identity. I now have a brand new identity. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says. It's, some of y'all are excited about whatever it was that she just brought up. Don't worry, we're getting to that. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. Let me read that again. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. This means that there is a God clause written into the fabric of your life the moment that you said yes to Jesus. And folks, this is good. This is good. A new identity means that he has washed away all of the past. This means that he says it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. It doesn't matter what you were like before this point. You are now mine. You are mine. And because of that, I have something brand new for you. It's written into the fabric of our lives. And still yet some of us choose not to pursue a greater sense of calling. And I think that's because we like to have our cake and eat it too. Anyone ever heard that expression before? Raise your hand. It's my least favorite expression and I use it all the time. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's spoken out of order. The statement is, you like your cake and eat it too, right? Well, that doesn't make sense because the statement means you want to eat all of your cake and still have it there to continue eating it, and then it's still there so you can continue eating it. So it should be, you like to eat your cake and have it too, but somebody said it wrong and it's stuck and I'm upset about it. <laughs> Regardless, it makes sense. You see, we want to say yes to Jesus because in a moment of darkness, in a moment of fear, in a moment of doubt, we realize the need for a Savior. We reach up to the hand that is reaching down and we say yes and it feels good. And so, yeah, give me some of that. But as I begin to walk this process out, there's that cake back there that is just oh so good. Everybody loves a Twinkie. They can survive a nuclear holocaust, which means they're absolutely good for me. Yes, Jesus, I want some of you. Am I taking it too? Are you talking? I might choke if I do. Somebody take care of me. This is a horrible Twinkie. It's white chocolate covered. It's stuck to the back of my throat right now. Seriously. Isn't that like life? We step back, and that first bite's oh so good. But a day passes. It just isn't good anymore. Jesus, I need you. Oh, thank you. 
What do you mean? I Calling? <laughs> That's good. I got to go to work. I don't have time for this. Thank you for dying on the cross. That was awesome. Thanks for taking my sin, but my tummy needs it. I don't know if I have Twinkie all over my face right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow. There's a great pastor in Oklahoma. His name is Craig Grishel, and he just posted on Instagram. It was so profound, I had to share it. He said, my biggest concern is that Christians have just enough Jesus to feel good, but not enough for transformation. He said, it's like the flu shot. You get a flu shot, there's just enough of the flu virus in there that it helps you build up an immunity against the flu. My greatest fear is that you have just enough Jesus to feel good, but not enough to be changed. What are you wrestling with saying yes to God about? What, what is the, the cake in your life that you want to say yes to Jesus, but also have a little bit of this too? There will always be cake available. And it is good, that first bite. But you've also, you've also been down that path before, and you know what that feels like too. What is it that you're wrestling with saying yes to Jesus about. And listen, I'm talking to some of you who may have been following God with every ounce of your heart for 15 and 20 years. We don't ever get to the place where God's like, you're done, good job, until you're dead. Everybody take a breath. All of us are qualified to keep going. Sometimes we like to think about those that are brand new to faith or new to this whole journey, and, and those are the ones that Pastor Kerry is talking about because you can see or smell the addiction that's still on them, but I'll just have a secret sin that I'll hold on to, a secret habit, a secret lifestyle, and just enough Jesus that I'll love church. What is it that you're wrestling with God about? What is he saying it's time to say yes to? What is he saying it's time to say no to? I believe there's a greater sense of calling in us. In our next clip, we find Scott Calvin talking to the very wise elf, Judy, who has the appearance of a child but actually is quite old, who has just made him some hot chocolate and has some profound things to say. Let's watch this clip. Hmm. Hmm. It's good is really good not too hot extra chocolate shaken not stirred you look distressed distressed i'm way past distressed what is that i'm talking to an elf and i stopped believing in santa claus a long time ago that's not surprising most grown-ups can't believe in magic it just sort of grows out of them you're a nice little elf. Thanks. But this is a dream. I mean, this is fabulous. Is that a polar bear directing traffic down there? <laughs> I, I see it, but I don't believe it. <laughs> You're missing the point. What is the point? Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Kids don't have to see this place to know that it's here. They just know. Well... You should get some rest. 
Good night, sir. Most grown-ups can't believe in magic. It just sort of grows out of them. I think sometimes that we overcomplicate what God wants to do in our life and we forget that it's miraculous. When the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe gives you a uniquely designed calling, it is never anything short of miraculous. In fact, it's so unique in its design that there's no one else more qualified on earth than you to accomplish it. That in and of itself is quite miraculous. And yet for some reason we overcomplicate or we convolute or we bring too much muck and mire into the fullness of what God has for us and we lose sight of the wonder We lose sight of the wonder of what God wants to do through a unique vessel like you or me with each of our uniquely designed stories. And we seem to lose the faith of this and then something that once was exciting now has become mundane or monotonous and maybe because we lose sight of the fact that every time God is doing something in us, He is always doing something through us, just like we know with Scott Calvin, his calling was more than just about can he realize he's Santa Claus, but the fact that there are millions of children on the other side of his yes. And I just wonder what it is that makes us lose sight of the wonder in the calling that God has. Or why is it that we see so often through the filter of limitations? Isn't it interesting when you talk to a child and you ask them what it is they want to be when they grow up, it's always filled with awe and wonder. I want to be this or I want to be that. And in their mind, there's no way in the world they could ever fall short of what they desire to do or to be. And I wonder if just maybe because you and I have seen limitation, we've experienced failure. And frustrations or maybe because we've lived a life of trying to have Jesus and our cake and eat it too enough to where now we only see ourselves as potential failure instead of seeing the potential in us that God sees I just feel like some of us in this room today are wrestling with saying yes to God in some specific areas, and I wonder why it is we've lost sight of that. I love how she said, for kids, it's not about seeing isn't believing, but believing is seeing. Kids don't have to see, they just know. And I wonder if there are some people in here today, and you just don't know how valuable you are to God. You just don't know how God took a moment 
audio team, work with me. As you were being crafted in your mother's womb, and he shaped and molded your character, and your eye color, and your hair color, or your lack of hair, get, take it up with him. <laughs> Created and crafted, and then whoosh, breathed life into you. In the moment of breathing life into you, according to Ephesians chapter 2, 10, he also created a good work for you to accomplish. The same one who raised the mountains where they are and put the sun in the atmosphere with his words and said, I have a calling for you. Do you know that? Do you realize just how significant you are? I wonder if maybe we've lost the sense of wonder because we now look at our own lives and our own heart through the filter of our own disappointments. Through our own disappointments. Which leads us to our next clip. And just shows how vital it is that you surround yourself with the right people. Let's watch this clip. Let the bears in the North Pole, Dad. Charlie... I already told you, we did not go to the North Pole. That was a dream. You're in denial, Dad. Denial? You don't even know what that means. Well, you are. I know what happened. How do you know that? How? You don't have any proof. Proof? Why can't we both think of it as just a great dream and, and forget about it? What about this? Remember all the neat stuff inside? Charlie, this is a toy. We used to make things like this at work. But no one bought them. Here. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I know who you are, Dad. You'll figure it out soon enough. There are a lot of kids that believe me. You can't let them down. Charlie, you're wrong. What's so funny? Nothing. This is really one of my favorite clips. I love the resilience of Charlie. I love exactly how unique and, and awesome his faith is. And this is ex the greatest point to making sure that you are surrounding yourself with people who have also identified and acknowledged the call of God in your life. Because there inevitably will come a day, and maybe if you're like me, a season of weeks or months or maybe even years that you wrestle with this concept of the notion that God's called me to something greater or bigger. And if we haven't surrounded ourselves with the right people, then we will forget. We will lose sight. And it will be a challenge in a great, in a great way. That's why I love how Charlie said, I know who you are, Dad. You'll figure it out soon enough. And don't forget there are thousands and millions of children who are counting on you to get that. Jeremy, can you come here? I need your help for a moment. We've got to surround ourselves with people who know exactly who we are. Jeremy, would you consider that we're friends in life? You have to say yes. You don't have an option right now. We're friends, right? We've known each other for, man, seven, eight, ten years, somewhere in that neighborhood. It's just so long, I forget. It's been like one day. Yeah. Being your friend is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, he says. No, no words of affirmation back. That's okay. Okay, so listen, Jeremy, I just, I want, for the sake of illustration today, we, we all can acknowledge the cake, this cake represents 
the, the, the past that we've walked through, maybe the addiction or the habit that we have a hard time struggling with, but yet it's that enticing pool, that not pool, pull, pull, not pool, pull. The, the B is silent. It's that enticing pool that pulls us back away, you know, just a little touch of Jesus, you can run back to cake. And Jeremy, you would acknowledge this is, this is not a good thing, this is a bad thing, correct? And you would you'd consider ourselves friends, right? Jeremy, yes. I want you to eat that cake right now. You don't have an option. I don't care about your diet. Just take a bite of that cake. Seriously, just pull it out. Get a good bite on it. You're going to do great. Just go for it. It's good. White chocolate. Get a good bite. Go for it. You need friends. Listen, we all need friends who will do just that. Put that down. Get off the stage right now. Get up. We need friends around us. I was, I've been planning that since last night. I didn't even tell him. Give it up for Jeremy. Come on. Hopefully... And Michael, who got Twinkie sprayed on the front row. Listen, I, I know it's somewhat silly. I just didn't want you to forget the notion, man. Who you surround yourself with matters. Do you have somebody that can identify that sense of calling in you? And when you're being a frumpy pants, when you're being an Eeyore, they say, hey, stop it. Get up. There are people counting on you. When you start to look at your life through the filter of your past mistakes, they say, whoa, 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 I get it, you've been there. But I know God's got greater things for you. Sometimes I think we fail to accomplish the greater sense of calling in our lives because we just don't have the right people around us. Hey, if you're new to the, the movement church, I want to tell you, we want to be that for you. We do, we want to be that for you. That's a good golf clap. I mean, if we're going to clap, we better give it all we've got. And for those of you that are here that are maybe like me and you're struggling with this concept of it's hard for me to even possibly see that God could want to do something in or through me because of what it is that I've walked through. Let me just read this passage of scripture that for me, this, this brings encouragement to me. For those of you that got everything figured out and orchestrated, man, you might not like this scripture, but check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is the message translation. It says this, take a good look, friends at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many high, from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of these somebodies that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. In other words, none of us are qualified. All of us have disqualifications, but God is the great qualifier. All of us have this in our lives. I just wonder what it is that we might be wrestling with saying yes to God about. We're now at our last and final clip. Scott has wrestled with the idea. In fact, he tried to shave his beard only to see it grow back. And he found out he actually did like milk and cookies. And it became the great consistency of his diet. And Christmas Eve is upon us. And he is, in fact, Santa Claus. And he's got a job to do. Let's watch this clip. You're the least, the least selfish person I know. 
I love you, son. Laura, what do you think? Christmas Eve, I spent with Charlie. Oh my God. It's you. It really is you. You really are Santa Claus. Pretty cool, huh? Your parents thought I'd never amount to anything. <laughs> Scott. Neil? Santa? It's okay, Neil. <sighs> Here. It's, um... Well, it's, it's my Christmas present for you. It's the, um the custody papers and I want you to come and see Charlie as often as you can you can count on it thanks Laura Merry Christmas Christmas to all. To all a good night. I'm sorry, Charlie. That's okay, Neil. You're just denying your inner child. <laughs> You'll make a great psychiatrist one day, kid. No. I think I'm going to go into the family business. hear that music and not be inspired by it, right? Right? I just love this part of the movie because it's when he finally acknowledges who he is and he starts to live in his calling. Now, obviously, we're taking the theatrics of a fictional tale to illustrate the reality that all of us face. One of the things that I love about how uniquely crafted purpose and destiny is. is that every time we say yes to the fullness of God's calling, people are inspired. I love how the tables turn. The police are in this scene because Scott had taken his son Charlie on a sleigh ride and they were looking for him and 
actually at one point in the film arrested him. And then now, as they realize who he is and the sleigh flies by, everyone steps back in awe and wonder. And let me just tell you that when you and I are stepping into the full sense of God's calling for our life, people are inspired by that. There's nothing more contagious and exciting than to see someone who is walking out the fulfillment of their purpose on this earth. And not only that, but the millions of children whose Christmas morning is affected because Scott Calvin recognized he is truly Santa. And I just wonder what lives will be changed What family trees will be rearranged? What destinies will be discovered? What marriages will find restoration? What freedom will be experienced because you simply say yes to the calling that God has placed on your life? God is never simply doing something in us. He's always doing something in us so he can do something through us. What is it that you're wrestling with saying yes to God about? What is it that you're wrestling with saying no to? What is the proverbial cake in your life that you need to completely walk away with, away from and step into the fullness of what God has, not so that you can just feel good, but so that you and I can be transformed. Not into perfection, but into fulfillment. What is it you're wrestling with God about today? What are the things that you need to shift and rearrange, not just so you can be a better person, but that you can accomplish what God has for you. How many of you in this room would just say, you know what, I want to walk in the fullness of my calling. Would you raise your hand? Come on. Hands all over the room. What if this Christmas was less about the hustle and the bustle and commercialism, and what if this Christmas for us was truly about stepping into the fullness of what God has for us? No greater gift no greater gift. Let me pray for us today. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. God, we just thank you that you're in this place, that you are in the business of helping us accomplish and fulfill our calling. And God, some of us in this room are wrestling with what it is that you've put before us. And so God, I just pray, give us the courage to say yes, the strength to stand and the will to fight because we know it'll be uncomfortable in the beginning. We know that the greater things are on the other side. That you didn't make a mistake with this. So God, right now, I pray you give us that faith to say yes. And to stop walking back to that cake. We love you, God, and we thank you that you're here doing this today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.